Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, criticism only counts from people who are fucking courageous. Living a brave life means to know failure intimately, and that's a good thing. And creativity requires vulnerability. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Did my accent throw you at the beginning? Why did you give Kent such a weird so look? So weird. <laughs> yeah, you're like really? you're like seducing our yes. audience. Hi everyone. <laughs> I'm Erin Bagwell. It was a lot. I've been doing a lot of voice work, guys. I don't want to relive it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man. How's it going? <clears throat> well, I'm shooketh now. Shooketh. I'm I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm feeling very called out by Brené Brown. Oh, really? Tell me more. No, I mean, I just we'll get into it. Of course, today we're talking about call to courage. We are. Would you um, like me to read the description? Yeah, <laughs> which I'm copy and pasted let's, from Netflix. Let's give some context here. With humor and empathy. I'll try not to say this in a sultry voice. Please just use your voice. (laughs) Brene Brown discusses what it takes to choose courage over comfort in a culture defined by scarcity, fear, and uncertainty. And just as an FYI, Brene Brown's TED Talk on vulnerability has close to 40 million views and is one of the most watched in the world. I would have loved this TED Talk. I mean, this Netflix special, I mean, this TED Talk, I mean, this Netflix, whatever right, what this was. was this thing we were watching? If it had done any of what it says it did in the description. We're doing a real switcheroo here today. Yeah. What? Tell me, tell me more. I just feel like these are the exact things that she's been saying for the past, you know, five years. And I didn't feel like there was anything new being said. I didn't feel like I love Brené Brown and I've, I've read Daring Greatly. I've read Brave in the Wilderness. I didn't read Rising Strong because I think I caught an audio version of it somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I really love her and I love what she has to say about vulnerability and shame and like love and all of these different aspects. And I felt like in this, I was like, we were scared skimming the top of everything and she wasn't actually giving us the crux of how you implement this in your life this is so funny i feel like we're just gonna have an inverse of the last episode that we did. <laughs> but i don't know Brene brown's work and so this all felt new to me oh. and so i was coming from it from a different place and i deeply enjoyed it Yeah, I mean, it's great stuff. I just feel like I've heard it three million times at this point. I could see that for sure. Oh, man. And I think it bears mentioning that all of the taglines that we said in the intro are all Brené Brown-isms that she talks about in this Netflix special. Can you tell me about her books? Yeah. So, um, Daring Greatly... So, Rising Strong was her first one. That was the one about vulnerability and shame, and it was the first one that she, like, really... Um, introduce those ideas that she talks about around mm-hmm. being courageous, around vulnerability being a source of strength and not weakness, um, and how fundamental these aspects are to all of our lives. 
And then Daring Greatly builds upon that and gets more into love and gets more into relationships and gets more into what it looks like. Um, it was while one of her parents um, was dying. Mm. And she writes about like what it meant to show up for them, what it meant to show up for her family while all of this happening. So it's a lot, it's very personal. Right. And then Braving the Wilderness um, was written about basically maintaining vulnerability and maintaining your kind of openness at times when you don't know what the fuck is going on in your life and you just need to like go through the wilderness and figure it out and come out the other side eventually. The interesting thing about everything that you just said is, and this is why I've never picked up one of these books or purchased one of them, is I get it, like the concepts and the theories are like, yeah, but could you write a whole book about this stuff? Yeah. And I mean, is it, does it satiate you? Like, am I, can you? Yeah, I mean, I really loved um, Daring Greatly. It hit me at a time in my life when I really needed it. I had just started working for Dream Girl and I was about a year out of grad school which was a really hard time for me. And I think she named a lot of, you know, things around resilience and things around um, being very intuitive and tapped into your own self that Mm -hmm. resonated with me. So I think like all of these books, it kind of finds you at a time or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And so it resonated with me. And then Braving the Wilderness did not at all. I did not finish it. Mm. I think I read the first couple of chapters. Is but that to the me, one about the leadership? Is, yeah. Okay. And it felt very repetitive. Mm. I was like, oh, we've talked about all of this in the past. Gotcha. So I felt very saturated by her, like through the one book that I did read. And I know, I you know, she's a quote master, like Cheryl Strayed, Liz Gilbert, like yeah. her words. The gals. Mm-hmm. The gals. Her words are so beautiful and she has such a knack for like succinctly saying things that tap into emotions and feelings that we all share. Yeah. Um, But I haven't thought about her in a long time. So I was really excited when she like got this Netflix special and announced it and like was doing it. Right. But. (laughs) You don't think she brought it? I think she brought exactly what she does. Uh I think, you know, there was no surprises. She's not talking about anything that I had. I don't think I've heard her talk about before um, and I say that kind of tentatively because I'm like I literally haven't thought about Brené Brown probably for four years How dare you three years <laughs> yeah so it was kind of an, but it was kind of at the same time like a nice resurfacing of all those ideas and I think vulnerability is something I think about a lot and I think about living a brave life and what that means and I don't know I think what I wanted a little bit more from in this Netflix special was like tools mm-hmm. and like specificities and she gets into a couple of stories around her family but they didn't feel relevant to anything I've ever experienced before so mm. I think I had a hard time relating interesting yeah I liked the stories about her family I thought I love when she talks about her husband just in general like every time she said his name like you can tell sometimes you can tell how much somebody loves someone by like how they say their name mm-hmm and I really enjoyed just hearing her be like, Steve. Like, it's like we all know Steve now. We all know Steve. It just, I, I enjoyed hearing about her marriage and then um, the story about her her kids. You know what's also interesting? I So I listened to her interview with Gwyneth Paltrow for the Goop podcast, which was phenomenal. And I feel like I learned so many tools. And Gwyneth, I think having them her be in dialogue 
really got to a level of like, how do I use this that maybe you're seeking? Mm. And then when I watched the Netflix, I didn't think it was as good as the conversation with Gwyneth. And then they kind of merged into my brain as the same piece of media. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I listened to the podcast. Let me watch the special. So they're pretty close together. And I will say it was very interesting to have, you know, Gwen to talk about the different aspects and how you do things and how you use things and more tactical, like, ways. You know, like, one of the things they talked about in the podcast is how, you know, the military, and maybe you know this from reading some of her books, but, like, you know, yogis practice, like, a four-in, four-out breath, and so does the military. And, you know, they talked about that, and then she talked about her that the shitty first draft, which I thought was game changing. Like what a great thing to name that like your brain's going to go to like a crazy extreme and it's going to be your worst demons. And that's your first draft. And like, okay, what's your second version? Yeah. And like, how do we really get to like, and I was like, oh my God, I did that 15 times, you know, this week, how can I reframe the narrative? So I thought it was much more applicable, Mm -hmm. but maybe because it was more in dialogue. The other interesting thing is Brene Brown, and I don't know what she did to prepare for this Netflix special, but she told Gwen that, or Gwyneth, what are we calling Gwen, her? I don't know. Look why. at you just throwing <laughs> out Gwen Paltrow. I'm going to start. That gal Gwen. I'm going to call her Gwen now. <laughs> um, that she doesn't prepare, that she has the slides, she has the stories, and she goes, which is so Texas to me and, and very admirable. But I wonder too if then pieces are lost. You know what I mean with love? I don't think anything was lost. I felt like it was just all repeated. Mm, yeah. And I think that I love that she opens it by saying some guy backstage was like, do you want me to take your purse? And yeah. she's like, no. <laughs> and she's like, because as a Texas woman, I need an exit strategy because I'm never convinced when I get on a stage that I'm going to stay there. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, she's just she so. She had great, a great banter with the crowd. I mean, oh, such, yeah. a, such a seasoned speaker. Totally. Yeah. And I also love that she opens it by talking about failure being an inevitability in life. Yes. And this goes back to Liz Gilbert, who also talks about this in Big Magic. But she talks about that bumper sticker that's like, what would you do if you know you could not fail? Mm-hmm. And Liz Gilbert's like, what would you do knowing that failure is inevitable, but you need to do it anyways? Right. And I like that Brené Brown kind of off the bat was like, failure is a part of life. Let's get into it. Let's get into and it. And move it on. And how do you want to live your life? And how do you want to show up for the people in your life? And how do you want to bring vulnerability as a source of courage? Getting in into the arena and, uh, and all read? of it. I, I love that quote. quote. Okay, yes, please. so I'm going to read the quote. It's a Theodore Roosevelt quote um, that she based Daring Greatly on, and it goes, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again. Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does, who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? Great quote. Great quote. And I love a quote. Um, and so that's kind of what the inspiration was for her first book. Mm-hmm. And I love that... And her first TED Talk. And her first TED Talk. Oh, so my so I said earlier, Rising Strong was her first book. I don't think it was. I think Daring Greatly was her first book. Okay. 
Um, so I must have read Rising Strong then. Just fixing that Just right now. Just as an addendum. Just as an addendum. Um, but so yeah, then she gets into the conversation of what it means to get into the arena. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something you and I can both relate to very deeply. <laughs> In what way? Well, I think we both, she said something where, um, I'm just going through my notes and she talks about having the courage. Also, I feel a little cheated because on Instagram you posted that you were writing in your notebook. No, I wrote about where, are, where is I your notebook? I wrote about rising strong in my notebook. I know, but now you're on your phone and it was really boring and not interesting and it was your I notebook. thought I had a lot better things to say than I did. Your notes and your you just left the notebook at home? <laughs> no, I wrote this like 3 years ago. Oh, I see. Yeah, it was just like journaling like you're reviewing. Yeah. It was not. I wanted to see if there was anything worth reading on air. There wasn't. That would have been exciting. I feel very called out right now. <laughs> if, what, if it was exciting Diana's at all. Diana's got a new I, phone. I'm all thrown. <laughs> if it was exciting at all, I would have brought it. All right. Fair enough. Um, Wouldn't that be horrible if we like just read very personal journal entries on air? I feel like there's a podcast for that. Them. I'm sure there is. There's probably a level of vulnerability there. That's what I'm saying. But she That's talks, how we should have, that should have been our cold open. But she talks about how like sharing without any kind of filter is actually not vulnerability, which I think is interesting. Yes. I wish she would have talked about that more because I, I'm always curious about, like I wrote this piece about Mother's Day and like postpartum depression, which I sent to you because yes. you edit all my work. And I've read it. And I'm always like, is this, am I still too in it? Should I not publish? I, I feel lately with my vulnerability, like where am I here? I don't know. Really? Yeah. I mean, Brené Brown's whole thing is you don't share a story that you haven't already processed. Well, do you think that story was processed? I think. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Although we have so much dead air between this week's episode and last week's episode because we're just like the really little, the little hamsters it. are thinking. Yeah, well. Um, I, yeah, I think it's processed. I think what I, I mean, if we really want to get into this on the sure, podcast. Sure, why not? Um, well, do you want to tell I'll the people? I'll be vulnerable with you, Diana. Wow. And whoever the hell else is listening. Friends. Um, do you want to set up the context of this? Sure. So I wrote <laughs> a piece about my postpartum depression and about how I think it was triggered from the trauma of being in the hospital and having Ginny get jaundice and my struggles with breastfeeding and keeping her alive. <laughs> and um, it, I also kind of relate it back to the resentment that I felt and the the awkward relationship I had with my mother during that time because my expectation of motherhood was so different from what it actually is and kind of learning to name that and understand where like that anger and that energy was coming from because my mother and I are so close and I feel like she made motherhood look so easy. A question I had reading the piece, and it's a great piece. I really loved it. A question I had about it is two questions. Mm-hmm. First, the expectation you have of motherhood, or you mm-hmm. had of motherhood while you were pregnant, was that an expectation she reinforced or one that you projected onto her? Like, was she telling you, like, oh, it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal, it's easy, da 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 or were you looking at what she did for you and your brother when you were kids and thinking it's so easy. I was looking at her as an example, I believe. And my mom's also like a pretty, you know, Oprah says there are people who are like joyful, like Gail is like effortlessly happy. Like my mother is one of those people too. So we're seeing like the lighter sides of things always with her. 
And always with parents. I feel like a lot, a lot of the time, I feel like I go through this too, where it's like, I feel like a lot of the joy I remember is like, because I was a kid. Right. <laughs> and they were protecting you. Yeah. Sure. But the other question I had is, have you talked about this with your mom? I know you were just home. Did you guys talk about this at all? Um, I talk about it at her. <laughs> um, yeah, we've we've talked we've talked about it, not in depth. Yeah, but we've it's been spoken. But it she knows like that you felt that. Way. It wouldn't shock her to read any mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did she say? Um, you know, it's so hard because I feel like she, you know, this is something that a lot of mothers talk about and I hate to derail our conversation about vulnerability now we're looping in a different direction but it's hard to really articulate to people what it's like and I think that was her big thing was like I there's no way anyone can tell you what it's going to feel like or and that's true Mm -hmm. so it's which is kind of in some sense feels like a cop-out but then also I understand it's and your experiences are so different. And I something I'm also aware of is I don't want to project my experience onto other mothers because I've been doing that a lot lately. Where I'll be like, "Oh my god, don't you hate breastfeeding?" And someone will be like, "No, it's amazing." And I get all these endorphins, and it's so such a way to bond. And I'm like, "Oh, okay." So you know, everyone's experience is totally different, and I could have had a totally different space, but I didn't. And this is where I'm at. So how does that relate to vulnerability? Well, I'm always nervous to share. I think because I'm still very much in the early stages of her, of, of figuring out my motherhood, um, it's hard to know, like, if you're sharing, am I sharing before I'm done processing? Like, would this article better be served next Mother's Day to talk about? Or is there power in talking about being in the mess of it? So I think I kind of go back and forth of, like, how much pro- – how process do you need to be to share a story Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because I did like what Brene Brown says where she was like you know if somebody posts on Facebook you know what were the examples I'm I'm blanking to remember so yeah she gave the example of um, a person posting about their messy divorce on Facebook for their kids to read and like making it this public forum where they just get to air their grievances basically yeah Um, and then the other one was she said live streaming your bikini wax (laughs) Which is like a funny example, but she's just basically but not saying vulnerability, like, yeah. it's not vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I would have, I agree that I would have liked her to get, this comes back to like, I would have liked her to get into these words a bit more because she throws out a lot of words. Yes. And I yeah. felt like I didn't totally understand how she was defining everything all the time or how she was, what she meant by things all the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where the Gwyneth Paltrow, the Gwen Paltrow conversation comes in is like, having that dialogue to kind of dive into these headlines a bit more. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and and probably also these things are so gray and there might not be like... But a, she does define it. Like she defines it in all of her books and stuff. She's like... Well, then Brene... She's we're an gonna academic. Need, Brene, we're going to need more examples. I'm going to... Yeah. I felt like... So one of the things she talks about in the way that she defines vulnerability is talking about... Um, having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Mm, I loved that. I love that. And I love that idea. And I think, and her other thing is that everybody in their life has done that at some point. And she has a whole thing where it's like, 
if you don't come for vulnerability, vulnerability will eventually come for you. Mm. And I think that's really true. And I think she relates the lack of vulnerability in our society to our current political and socioeconomic situation in this country. Mm. Um, I wish she would have talked more about that because that is such an interesting place that we're in right now because we're so divided and because things are so intense. Um, there isn't a lot of space for like empathetic conversations, specifically in our politics. Yeah, I remember she wrote an article, an editorial, I think for, I think it was the New York Times or maybe, I think it was the New York Times, but I could be totally wrong on that. But um, she talked a little bit more about that and how vulnerability is healing and how it's a way for people, it's a way for us to relate to each other in a way that's authentic. And she did talk about how that relates to politics and what's currently happening. Well, you really can't connect to people unless you have a sense of vulnerability and unless you kind of take that risk first. I think that's like the easiest way to make a fast connection is to really be honest about something, you know, and then oftentimes, you know, sometimes you're shut down and that's part of the process a little bit of like finding your people. Um. I also loved what she was ta- – she talks a lot about joy as well and kind of I think like removing shame and, you know, being vulnerable and all these things we're talking about. But I love that she talked about how play is doing something without purpose. I was like, wow, <laughs> I really, really needed to hear that and like do – I think timing just is weird in my life right now and everything I do is like, oh, my God, I have 15 minutes. What can I do and how can I be productive? And, like, to hear that about Joy was, like, really cool. Um, She also says – she kind of links gratitude and joy and not being terrified of it, which I also thought was very smart. Yeah, well, she talks about how people who can't let joy into their lives are not practicing gratitude Mm. because they're constantly thinking – and I think this also comes back to feeling deserving and worthy of when you have joy, you upper limit it of what could go wrong and when will this end and all these kinds of things because you're so used to that. Right. And you're not practicing the gratitude for the moment that's there. And I love, I wrote down what she said about play too. And I, I just came back from a trip to Hawaii and that was like the theme of the trip. Everything was just done for like the sake of relaxation or fun. And I didn't realize how much of my life had been segmented into get up, get ready for work, eat breakfast, 20 minute journal, get ready, brush my teeth, go to work, come home. Like everything had just been segmented into like these little hour, hour and a half blocks Mm -hmm. and actually having a vacation where it's like, I just swept the schedule completely clean and like got distance and gave myself like perspective and all these things. It opened up so much energy for me to just like do things because I wanted to. Yeah. Isn't it scary to clear your schedule? Do you? Yeah. Oh, it's really hard for me. I mean, it's something I've also had been having to do with Ginny. It's like, I never know. She's in this weird place where we don't know what's up or down with her timing. And it's, I can't put anything on my schedule or plan anything. Yeah. It's like very, but it's also very freeing too. Cause it's like, well, there's no expectation here. Yeah. You know, something happens great. If it doesn't, whatever. Yeah. Here we are. I know. It's a very different thing. Wow, wow, wow. Anything else on your uh, on your notes here? I like that she wants to eat peanut butter and uh, yeah, dive into Downton Abbey. We are all eating peanut butter and binge watching everything. 
I don't know. I wrote down just a bunch of quotes and I think we'll share them. We'll share them when this episode comes out in our Instagram story. Um, but I love when she talks about in Rising Strong, she says to love is to know the loss of love and heartbreak is unavoidable unless we choose not to love at all. And a lot of people do just that. Mm. And so I think she kind of hits you with like these very powerful statements around um, letting yourself be seen as a form of letting yourself be loved. And also just having that bravery to fuck up and to know that that's human and to not feel like you need to hold on so tightly all the time. Yeah. Her kids must be ninjas. Oh, my God. Well, she talks about them with, <laughs> yeah. with Gwen, and that was really cool to hear them like share stories about the way that she allows her kids to be vulnerable and, and what that means and how they do that. Um, another thing that I wrote down was I loved the – the chasing the extraordinary moments. Mm. Um, people get so caught up in that they that they don't appreciate the everyday moments. And that story that she tells, was it the parents who lost a child and they, with the banging yeah. of the door, and so then the father just bangs the door as like a reminder. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, that's something I also really felt on this trip with my brothers because we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And uh, I asked him Mayor on the flight home, like, what was your favorite like part of the trip? Like, and neither one of us said, you know, all the crazy cool stuff we did, like going to see Nepali Coast, going to see like all these very cool Hawaiian things. It was like, I love that we made breakfast together or mm-hmm. I love the way like your brothers laugh about stupid 80s music or like I love, you know, it's like these very small things that are so easy to overlook that end up being the ones we miss the most. Right. And extraordinary moments are obviously incredible and they're, you know, these big things that happen in our lives. But it's also about being present and taking a moment to appreciate what's happening day to day. Totally. Well, if you were to give Brene notes, because I feel like you're the Brene whisperer as well, um, anything that you felt like we could have gotten a little bit deeper or thematically, I mean, I, this was obviously a TED Talk that Netflix published. So I think there's not a lot of creative room as far as what they were going for, but just from things she could have talked about or or gotten more specific. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Gail King because I was I would have put her in dialogue with somebody. Cuz mm. to me this just felt like an extension of her TED Talk, which right. came out quite a few years ago, so it was kind of a weird Yeah. resurfacing of that. Mm-hmm. I would have put her in dialogue with somebody and I I was thinking, you know, Gail King would be amazing to talk about this with her. I think Yara Shahidi would have been a really cool person to talk to about this as kind of that younger generation of bringing up the next wave of what vulnerability means to them and what it means to live courageously. But I think, or maybe like I almost would have made it a series where we have like four or five episodes where she talks to all these people Mm. about vulnerability. And about what it means to them and their experience. Because I thought that was really interesting. And she talks to a man and she talks to... Um, somebody from the LGBTQ community and she talk, you know, she talks to like a, people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my dream to like make a book about vulnerability with celebrities. Have I told you about this? No, please I continue. I like we've talked about this. No. I want to like interview celebrities about vulnerability and I feel like that's what I wanted this show to be. What about it? Whatever it means to them. Like what, like just get into like questions around it, what their history with it is, what their current relationship to it is. Because they are such public figures or because they get to control how much they give us or why celebrities? I think both. I think I think vulnerability with social media is so messed up and kind of mangled now because vulnerability means like 
how you can overshare the most. It's like the oversharing Olympics. Yeah, it's kind of a weird balance. And I loved her saying that's not vulnerability. And I think I would have liked her to get into that a little bit more, even if it's exploring vulnerability in social media and having it be that specific. Yeah. But having episodes around like vulnerability in social media. Because I almost think this should be something you should teach. I mean, she's written these books about because, yeah, like. I think about my mom and her, the students, and they take like a social media literacy class now mm-hmm. of like what to post and how to post in your language and the imagery. But there's something too, we're kind of in this weird, we have this like a uh, fascination or fetishization of like the pain and like sharing stories before they're ready or I can't think of like a very good example, but people do love I don't know. There's like, we're in such a, like an obsessive workaholic culture that it's like, let me show you my pain basically. And let me be glorified and validated for that. Mm -hmm. And kind of where do we, where are we losing the vulnerability in that? And how do we restructure? And that's why going back to my story, I'm like, you know, this is painful, but it's like, it's, it's such a weird mix of kind of knowing how to, how to not filter it, but how to know what to do with it the story well I think something I always think about with like influencers and you know people who post a ton on social media in a way that's telling a story Mm -hmm. is who is this for and Mm. what is this for Mm. and Russell Brand has a really interesting quote where he says liberate yourself from the idea that you have an audience Mm -hmm. and work from that place yeah stop thinking about like what other people want to see Mm. and put out there what you want to tell yeah Keeping in mind that, you know, all of these different facets around sharing a story when you're ready and all these, you know, being mindful of how you're using language and imagery and all those things. Right. But there's such an ego to it now Mm. and there's such an inherent self-absorption to it that I think it's it's toxic more than it is cathartic. Yeah, because when you think about it, like the one woman who's talking about her divorce for her kids to see... You know, in a way, she's kind of she she actually is thinking about the audience, though, isn't she? Because she's not just venting for herself; she's kind of wanting attention, right? There's like a certain validation that people are looking for when they're posting things that are. But that's not audience; that's self. Totally. Like that's like for the self. Yeah, it's not about the other people; it's about you. No, uh, yeah, totally. Because I was gonna say, oh well, maybe she's just posting to you know, liberate herself or whatever. But if you're, it sounds more ego driven. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's what I would have loved the show to be is her more in dialogue about around what vulnerability looks like in different places. Well, I think you're right. I think it's so big of a concept that how the hell are we going to talk about it without going into specific detail? Yeah. So that's, that's tough. It's tough. And but it could I lo- have been, like you said, a five, you know, Let's talk about it in school. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it in relationships. Let's talk about it and then bring on people who are, you know, examples of that for us to see, okay, this, these are the ways that you can, you know, live in the arena, but do so kind of with respect or totally. to yourself and to others as you're sharing your story. Totally. There's this part where she talks about introducing vulnerability in politics, and I would have loved her to talk to somebody like AOC. Yeah. Um around what that looks like for her what that look is it possible you know because it's such it's such a snake pit it's like do you want to express vulnerability um and so i would have loved to have kind of see 
talk to the people who are in these spaces about Mm -hmm. what it looks like for them to implement it. Yeah. Would have been really interesting. Totally. Just some notes. But I love her and and what she has to say is so important. And if you have the opportunity to listen to an interview with her or audio book yeah, or anything. Yeah, please check out check the Goop out. interview. I know some people are on the fence about Gwen, but it, it was quite a delightful conversation. I made my husband listen to it, actually, because yeah. I thought it was so good. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it, too. And I learned a lot. Cool. Any other notes? No, that's it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you for spending all your Wednesdays with us, Kent. Betty's, if you listen to anything with Brené Brown or read any of her books or if you've watched the Netflix special um, be sure to reach out to us at Beaver Talk. Yeah let, let us know what you guys think. Yeah at Beaver Talk on Instagram send us a DM Do it. Thanks Erin. Bye Happy Feminist Wednesday Beaver Talk This has been an Atlantic Transmission production hey!